0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies,
2: Hello and welcome to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. In this special bonus edition, Alison Rudd took producer Neil to meet George Ella Kobe, manager of Maidstone United, ahead of their FA Cup fifth round tie against Coventry City. Maidstone are the lowest ranked team left in the competition. They discuss George's best and hardest days as a player, the detailed preparation he and his team put in, and the effect their cup run has had on his players and the town.
3: It's been so real, what you just said about you know, achieving this historic moment for for Medstone, and it's not just myself. Obviously, there's a team behind myself, the players, my management team. Everyone has worked so hard to make this achievable. Um, to to be able to come through um, the fantastic win against a great side in in Ipswich, um, it's just when that final whistle blew, you could just see the emotions. You could see what it meant to our community, Medstone as a whole, and. <clears throat> The, the important bit of it is the impact it's had on, on the community, on the Mestin community as a whole. So
4: yes, you could become, if you stood for MP now, you'd win.
3: I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> and has you, have you noticed but at
4: the league at league games, it's yeah. a different
3: atmosphere? It's, it's, it's been a different atmosphere. Um, you know, the fans are just so inspired by what the players are doing. Um, and we are together this moment that moment at Ipswich is made our relationships even stronger. Yeah. We are buying for life and you know our group of players are history makers they 've rewritten history, and the magnitude of that victory against a fantastic side in Ipswich is just inspired so many you know in terms of the businesses around the community, There's so many sponsors that want to get involved now with Maeston United Football Club. Um, and you see it at the gym, the Leisure Centre, Freedom Leisure Centre that we use. There's more fans going in there now to use the gym because that's the gym the Maeston players use. So, there's it's impacting the community in different ways and, you know, I can't thank the players enough for this. I'm a staff. I'm so proud of them. Um, and this is what the FA Cup is all about, the magic of the FA Cup, it brings us, it brings communities together.
4: Well, I don't, honestly, I don't remember feeling the magic of the Cup quite so intensely as when I watched your game against Ipswich, I mean, the odds against you getting anything from that were phenomenal. You and I and Mick McCarthy, your, who was your manager and mentor at Wolves, he, he, he 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 said, "I want you to do well, but he was saying you know ninety nine times out of a hundred you're not going to get a result there so it was a miracle, and what people want to know is clearly there's no such thing as miracles, so how did you do it and it wasn't a miracle because your preparation for that game involved something that I think a lot of people be they would they would gasp to realize what you did you hired a separate training pitch. Would you go into a bit of detail on what you did to prepare for that game at Portman Road? Because I think it's astonishing.
3: Yeah, it was about, um, it was about readiness. It was about showing every bit of respect to the great side Ipswiches, um, well led by Karen. And it's, it was important that we gave our players every bit of information that they needed to, to have leading to that game in terms of a detailed analysis on, on Ipswich. Tactically, what we needed to do when they had the ball in the in, the first, in the in their defensive field, building the attack from the back, where we needed to situate ourselves or locate our, our players, how um, the areas we needed to force them in so we could be in control without having possession. In the mid-low block, in terms of how we, we set up and stay nice and compact, Going through it, um, the traditional way, the old-fashioned way, with beeps on the floor. We took our players higher the a, a grass pitch. Because
4: um, you trained you train on a plastic pitch.
3: Yeah, we, tra- we trained so on, the, on the 3G thought, pitch. There's
4: no point training on a 3G no, pitch. We, we have played to train on, on grass. muddy grass pitch. We had
3: to go on the muddy grass pitch, make sure it was heavy on the players' legs. Um, game day, minus two. Yeah. We did that. Um,
4: and you measured it out. And so we it measured was it exactly out. the same dimensions as Portman Road. Yes,
3: it was exactly the same dimension as, as Portman Road. So we wanted our players to see it visually
1: yeah.
3: how big Portman Road was going to be, yeah. especially when we haven't got possession,
1: yeah.
3: and what areas we needed to pick up, and the distances we had to have between our, our defensive line, which starts from our goalkeeper, and our back line, midfield unit, and our forward unit. So we created all of that. And then we made sure we worked practically with our players outdoors. It was to recreate um, a lot of the, the situation, to create chaos in that process as well to ensure that our players were resilient. And the ones that were starting the game to make sure they understood their rules and responsibilities that they needed to do two jobs, not just one, or one and a half as we asked them to do. They needed to do two jobs on the day to stand any chance and we needed luck as well. So we recreated that waves of attacks, waves of attacks. So they could be they could be resilient when they needed to be. And and then try to recreate counter-attacks. Because we knew if switch wasn't gonna change the way they play. Um, they were gonna press or try to pin us back and make sure their center backs were quite, you know, aggressive in terms of how they wanted to control possession. But in that process, subconsciously, there may be lapses of concentration and if we do have that one break on the counter, we had to do, we had to do it with speed and we needed to cash them out because we, we knew we've got some good athletic players in our yeah. team who can hurt anyone on the day if we get it right and we only had two, two um, counter-attacks um, and <laughs> it was all credit to them because they did two jobs for one another. Yeah, yeah. They were playing for themselves and for the entire community.
4: It was astonishing. Well, there, was a, there was an added twist to you going to Portman Road because that was where you very, very badly ruptured everything you can rupture in your knee. And it was so bad, you were told you had a 10%, 1%? A 1% chance of ever playing professional football again?
3: At the highest level. Minimum was going to be League like One.
4: Wow, so you go back to Portman Road, and did you remember where that incident had happened? Could you tell us how you felt and where it was on the pitch?
3: Yeah, just like um, yesterday, I can, I can remember when it happened. Um, yeah, it's always been, you know, a sorry moment for me going back to Portman Road, but going there as a manager, I sort of pushed myself away from it before the game. Yeah. So I didn't think about it before the game, but at the end of the game, after... Um, applauding the Ipswich fans because, I must say, they were incredible. The Ipswich Town Football Club was incredible to us. Once I finished at the end, there was a moment where I stood and that was the spot, and that's when the tears came out.
4: Did you cry?
3: Yeah, there was, there was a moment there. I took time out there to, to acknowledge that moment because that's where I was stretched off and I thought my career was over. Raptured every ligament on my knee and um, shattered my meniscus at the time. But I didn't have any sympathy at the time from the Ipswich fans. <laughs> 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 because, I was, because I was an ex cochester defender playing for Wolves at the time. So there was no sympathies there when I was being stretched off across. That moment, yes, hit me hard um, for a few seconds, about 30 seconds. And then when I turned around and I could just see the black... And, you know, Amber, they're, they're just on their feet. You know, the they Maestone community. There was no tears then. It was about yeah. celebrating and celebrating with respect as well. Um, oh, it's
4: strange how fate decreed you'd be stood 360 there. Three hundred and sixty degrees. Yeah.
3: It's gone all around and that was the moment. You never give up in life. I think
4: there'll be a film of your life, George, probably. You never give up in I life. So to go back to your playing days, uh, I think it's fair to say that you were a cult figure at Wolves, for for not just your skill at defending, but your attitude and what you gave to the team. But I wondered if you could say of all, when you were playing in the Premier League, I know your debut, you came up against Sean Wright Phillips at the Etihad and you dealt very well with him indeed. But who was... Of all the players you play had to face at left-back in the Premier League, who was the one that caused you the most problems?
3: Um, that's a great question. Firstly, it, I don't want to start name-dropping because we'll be here forever. However, every winger you come up against gives you so many different problems and you need to find solutions for them. And those solutions were, were found at the training ground with the work that the coaches and myself was prepared to put in with me to take my game to the next level because I was coming up against incredible, incredible talents. Go on, um, name drop,
5: go yeah,
2: on. Yeah, I was going to say that. People, <laughs> people listening, even, it's no disrespect to the other players because as you yeah. say they were all fantastic level but when did you go out and come back and think, oh that was a tough afternoon?
3: Um, Old Trafford.
2: Who were you up against?
3: Luis Nani. Yep, the first time I played against him, um, there was a 10 minute spell right in front of the the technical area he tortured me
4: tortured you (laughs) yeah
3: that's when i knew there were levels yeah i knew that was the first time coming up against a winger like him where everything he did in that 10 minute spell worked out his way even when i tried to intercept and i tried to nick a ball it hit him and went through my legs and by the time i turned around I was screaming for my defenders to come across, but I was recovering with speed as well. And I subsequently had to tell him, had to show him what he didn't know. So what I did was, I booted him, (laughs) yeah, so I gave him a good kick right, I'm gonna name drop right in front of Mr. Sir Alex Ferguson and that sort of slowed him down a little bit and then I regained my composure and my confidence. I knew I was a good one versus one defender and I was, I was never fearless of any winger. I respected them in how I prepared. So I knew I was ready. And then after that, I started having joys against him. So he was trying to step over us and it was so difficult because he could shift either side. He was equally good on his left, good on his right, for, for, for a left fullback or a right fullback, it's difficult because you're playing against elites. If you show him and not get the angles right, he will hurt you.
4: Yeah.
3: And he did for a 10-minute spell. Absolutely tortured me. <laughs> but that's a lesson. If anything, he gave me more firepower to want to do well against him throughout that game. We just talked to the game plan. Um, and then after that, I must have met him about, I must have faced him about three more times. And to be honest, it was even Stevens.
4: Okay.
3: Yeah, so I was, I was much ready, tell more me, equipped. Tell me,
4: when, you, when that happens, when there's a duel and it's obvious that you're going to have to be at your very best and someone is very obviously quick and talented, at the end of the game, is there a mutual respect that you feel like there's a separate relationship because you've had those moments together? on the pitch where it's been battle of wills as well as physicality.
3: Yeah, there is, like you said, touching on, you know, individual duels, you go out to try and, you know, outshine your direct opposition. And at the end of the game, it's all love, it's all brother, brotherhood, you know, it's mutual respect, like you said. We can shake hands. But do can... you
4: look him in the eye and think He's giving me respect, I'm giving him respect. We know that was good. We know we both gave our best. Yeah, yeah. And you appreciate each other. Yeah,
3: you appreciate each other. And, you know, I wouldn't say as much for him because, obviously, I was playing for Wolverhampton and he played for one of the biggest clubs in the world at the time. Wolves did
4: beat Man United.
3: Well, we did, but they beat us more as well, so... (laughs) (laughs) But the, the one time, the one time we did, was extra special.
4: Yeah. <laughs> extra
3: sweet because we ended that 29 games on Beating Road.
5: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax,
4: and think about
0: work. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: <laughs> you're coaching players now. Can you teach what you just described there? So you're having a tough day yeah. and you think, oh Blimey, he's got me on toast.
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> How did you what was what was it inside you that made you Compose yourself and think, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'll kick him because that's going to get me, as opposed to shrink. Can you teach that to your players?
3: Yeah, you can, but not, not in this day and age to go kicking a player because you probably get sent off. And also, um, can that player be disciplined enough to, to do that and then not get sent off, which is going to cost, cost us the game?
2: But not necessarily kick, just get, yeah, your, get your composure It's about get composure.
3: It's about, it's about belief in all the work you've been doing behind closed doors. Yes, when you're doing individual one versus one deals, I always always say to the players, at some stage, you'll get beat. Every defender does, who doesn't? But how resilient, how resilient can you be to know, to trust your stuff, to know that you've put in this work, to find different solutions for that problem at that split second, because it's a split second. You might, we, we might have to look at it tactically, are you getting close enough before he receives, are your distances right or are you, are you getting there a little bit late and you can't get close to him or is your, how, is your, how is your body shape when you're approaching the one versus one duels? Are you actually showing him depending on the area you're on the pitch? If you are slightly higher on the pitch, you want to show him into, into the midfield area because he's going to go into traffic, which your other midfielders are in there to help you. And then you can recover back in your position. Or in the final third, in and around that 18-yard box, how much do you back off? But also, how are you backing off? How is your body shape? How is your distance? More so, are you low enough? Your, low, your, your central gravity It's another big one. How is your feet, your feet, your foot pattern? Are you moving them? Are your strides longer? Are your strides shorter? Are you on your toes or are you on your heel? Is your head over the ball? Why is you, are you concentrating? Are you using your arms? So there's so many different, this is where we go. We're actually zooming in. So we're looking at it in detail, in real detail now. So there's so much that comes from it, but in that split second, the defender and the attacker has to make decisions. So it's kind of like um, a chase match. You're waiting. When do you actually jump as a defender? When do you actually hold your patience and go? I'm going to wait for you to make the first move, and then thank you. You've play- played into my strength, and I had my strengths. Well, that
2: and was yeah. going to be. So I found that's, I love that level of detail. It's amazing. Well, what's amazing
4: it. about that level of detail is you. You <laughs> could be talking about a Premier League team. Your coach. Your coaching. You're coaching people who are doing other jobs as well in your division in That's the national right. league yeah. and you're giving them that level of detail so do they absorb that level of detail and do their homework and really listen to you because they they're thinking we can make it we can make it we're going to go up and or I could get bought or I can be this could be my full-time career or are they just buying into you and your project what's the what's their motivation for absorbing so much detail when they've got to go off and do their part-time job.
3: You know, it's, it's your job as, as a manager or the coach to help your players, to create the environment that you want to create. It doesn't matter if you're in, you know, Sunday League football, National League South level, which is six, six tier, yeah. or in the Premier League, playing for one of the best clubs in the world, or in the, in the Man City's team or an Arsenal team like this or in Liverpool. You have to take pride in your job. And your job is to make the group better is to make the individuals better with the information you feed back to them but it's not just feeding the information it's no good just telling them you have to step in and you have to show them it's repetition 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 is it relevant if it's relevant yes and then we repeat is it realistic to the areas on the pitch if it's realistic, it must be relevant. If it's relevant, we repeat. So you always look for the three hours. Yeah. Realism, relevance, repetition. And you repeat and you repeat and you repeat. Like they said, the 10,000 10, 10, hours rules, yeah. you have to keep repeating it. Right. And don't get bored by this information. Don't be scared that the players might, you know, it might eat the players up or they might get too much information. No, feed it. They will process it the way they want to process it and they'll get one action right and that moment will come to them. But you have to recreate what happens in real game situation in your training environment. You You have to stretch the players, you have to stretch them.
4: Okay, have you found they're more willing to be stretched at having reached the fifth round of the FA Cup? Can you see them putting in that extra 1% of energy because they're energised by the
3: story? They've, but they've been doing that throughout the season.
4: So it hasn't affected levels of no. anything?
3: They've been doing that throughout the season. We'll win some games, we'll lose some games. So, yes, the FA Cup has got an ex, ex, extra spice in it, the magic of the FA Cup. And also going to you know beautiful stadiums like Portman Road now. We're going to be going to Coventry City, who are, a fa- who are a fantastic side, um, well-matched by... Robin. Yeah, they're doing well so at the moment, they, unfortunately. They're doing, they aren't they're they're doing well, yeah. which that's what we like. Yeah. You know, we have to. We are the underdogs, under and we know that. <laughs> but it would be beautiful for our players to to test themselves against another great side in Coventry City who missed out on Premier League promotion by one penalty. Yes. So it's even, it's even, for me, it's bigger than the Ipswich game for our players. Really? But they need to enjoy it. Yes.
2: You mentioned enjoyment then, George, and I think we've seen this week, haven't we, in the headlines that I think is it Guardiola has talked about the key to consistency is teaching the players to continue to enjoy what they're doing, to enjoy that challenge and being at that level. Do you say that to your players? You, know, you emphasise not just the immense detail of tactically what they've got to do and the physical challenge... Mental psychological challenge. Psychological, psychological challenge, challenge. Social challenge. But also the enjoyment of look, where we are, look look how far we've come. Do you yeah. emphasize that to them?
3: Yeah, that's the socialness. You have to enjoy, you have to enjoy this moment. You have to enjoy not just this moment. We, the environment, myself, my sister manager, Craig Fagan, we've created is that of a hobby, not a job. So what do I mean by hobby? They get up every day and we train three mornings a week. They have to enjoy coming in the environment. They need to look forward to it. They need to be itchy. What's the training session going to be like? You have to make sure it's educative, it's challenging, stretch them. But the most important thing is they have to enjoy it. They have to train with freedom. They have to challenge each other. They have to be a bit of banter. They have to be a bit of that, you know, competitive edge. So, tactically, yes, technically, we want them to, to improve. Um, psychologically, we want them to be resilient, we want, we want them to be courageous, if they're making mistakes, if, or if they make mistakes, they shouldn't stop there, they need to try again. If they make another mistake, don't stop there, try. You only take that one, that one time, you get it right, and everyone look at you as genius. But physically, you need to push yourselves. Mm. you need to make sure you're ready, you're running that extra five yards for the team, not just for yourself, you have to be selfless in this game. But the social side is the communication, you know, being a team player, making sure you're doing a job and a half for the team. So all those components come together. You can't have three and not have one. It's tangible.
2: So as you're busy preparing them for Coventry, you mentioned a word earlier, and I meant to come back to it, but you said create chaos in your training system. How on earth do you do that? What is it?
3: At some stage, you have to create chaos. So for instance, you know, you might be doing an attacking versus defending Um, principles out of possession but then by the end of it you have to make sure there's so much going on where there could be one attack wave of attack gone and the defensive team is won the ball back and they are trying to transition and counter and you just go stop there's another ball that way so that's chaos so what that does is it upsets the rhythm of the defensive team and the attacking team at the same time so it's chaos, so now they have to adjust, they have to adapt, so everyone needs to shift across early. The defender, there's no time to breathe. Get, them, get up, get, like, squeeze the play, there's another ball coming. You're dealing with waves of attacks, so it's coming. And you have to try and do this when they are fatigued. So psychologically they're building res- um, resilience. Yeah, so if you, if you can do this and recreate this, because in game situations, that's real, that's realism. It's relevance. It happens, it's repeated. Just like we saw against Ipswich. You know, there was waves of attacks. I think, how many times did we cross the halfway line? We was, we was camped in, the only time we probably crossed there was two or three times in the second half and we scored, scored from one of them. And then it was wave of attacks. It was like mid low block. At times it was more low block. So you have to create this, this chaos. So the players are, are conditioned. Um, so they are tuned in. Their bodies will be ready
4: it's amazing did you utter an expletive when you did not get wolves in the fifth round draw because it was looked like it was going to go that way there were only a few balls left in the bowl and it looked like you've made some are gonna get wolves and it didn't
3: well we all have had our preferences my <laughs> preference was definitely wolves mm. but i did say any club at this stage will be good enough for us But I have to say this, if we would have drawn a Premier League club in the third round like everyone wanted, we may not have been sitting here talking about this historic moment being in the fifth round. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. Financially, it would have benefited our club, but just look at, you know, we've danced one more time, uh, two more times from the third round where we, we played against, come up against a good side in Stevenage and we was lucky enough to be victorious. And then we've gone up against the mighty Ipswich. We danced one more time.
4: Yeah, I like that, we danced one more time. You mentioned, last question, you you um, mentioned Manchester City. People will want to know how you were employed by Ted Lasso to pretend to be a Manchester <laughs> City <laughs> defender. I mean, why you, how? And I know you enjoyed it, but how did you, how did you find that gig?
3: Well, um, let's just say, <laughs> A good friend of mine yes. reached out because they were doing this um last series and they wanted some some big names in it and i'd like to think i'm humble enough to think you know um i'm not so talk by but i think in in this industry how i've gone about it um, people do remember me yes. and they wanted it to to give it some weight and i was contacted by a friend to say hey so yeah I, I went and i met the crew that the um you know met the guys ted and all the other guys um and the players that you know the actors that were there to be honest it was it was good to see um how production is done in that magnitude it was it was insane it was insane um we there's done, so many people behind we the we done scenes done you don't yeah, know yeah yeah. yeah it was insane and the you know how he's done is just mind-blowing and, you know, to obviously be in the midst of, of Pep when he was doing his scene. Um, it was incredible. He on the shoulder He's of, not a great actor though. No, he's not. No. Yeah, he's not. So that I think i got you, Pep, <laughs> <laughs> on that side. So i go one over Pep there. Um, but yeah, brilliant. But it, was, it, was, it was so good when, you know, to be a part of it and then we've done other scenes in different locations. And you never know, I'm a man of many skills i be one day, I might just find myself in Hollywood. I think so. Well, we should but say
2: you're definitely welcome back on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's another skill. Um, I feel like we should end on this because I feel guilty because we asked you earlier on about the, the day when you'd had a tough afternoon. You talked about Old Trafford and Narney. Give us one way you thought that was one of my best games in the top flight when you had an absolute... You, you were the one on top and you were coming, coming up against someone and they were having to think, how do I solve this problem?
3: Well, I have to go back to Manchester. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we played, we played at Bolton, on a, I think on a Tuesday night away, and we have played so well in that game, mm-hmm. and bearing in mind we was, I think, almost second from bottom, but our next coming game was against United that's been going strong for, I think, 28, 29 games in all competition unbeaten, so they were aiming for the record of 30. And the game started, you will not believe it within, I think, three or four minutes. Um, The ball has been played to Nani. um, Him again? Yes, inside the 18-yard box on the keeper's um, bottom left um, near post. And because of the grease on on the pitch, he's taking it in. And you're thinking, here we go. It's going to be a long evening. But then on the opposite side, fast forward maybe 15 minutes later, We've had a corner, so I'm making my way into the box and the cross is coming and I've just, I connected the perfect header against, you know, one of the, the world's greatest goalkeeper at the time in the Premier League in Van der Sar. And I, as soon as I connected, I knew he was going in. So I was willing. I was gone. Celebrating. <laughs> it was, and that was my first, I think, first Premier League goal, um, but to pick that moment, and I'm going to go by saying even the second goal, I got it, but they gave it to Kevin Doyle, which I'm still fuming about, <laughs> and I'm calling for, for VAR to look into it now if they can. <laughs> um, yeah, but we went on as a team to beat United 2-1 in that game, and we ended that beating run. And that's when I realized I couldn't walk the streets anymore around the world because I was recognised from that goal. It was that impactful. Back in my country, I received my first call-up, international call-up from from it. And, you know, and yeah, everyone took note of young George Elokobi then, and I became a real, real legend for (laughs) Wolves (laughs) then.
4: And now you're a legend for Maidstone United. George Elokobi, thank you so much.
3: Thanks for having me, really a pleasure.
2: So good luck to Maidstone in the Cup. And if you enjoyed that, join us for the game every Monday and Thursday to hear Alison and other Times journalists discuss all things football.
1: Small details are big surfaces? Tight corners are odd shapes? Flat, rounded, textured or tall? Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.